Well, we're in the second month of February. No, yeah, the second month of the year, and I'm still hung up on the award shows. I know I wrapped up an episode talking about pop princesses. Like, I didn't really mention award shows. I just touched on, like, my disdain for Taylor Swift, as always, like I always do. But, um... But I felt like, why don't I go all in and talk about award shows? Because it needs to be talked about. But I can't talk about award shows without having the Bay in here. Angel, the OG guy of the Stage Advice podcast. Here he is. Angel, how are you feeling about this? About award shows? About award shows. Uh, they're... stupid <laughs> <laughs> what was the last award show you've watched I don't like the idea of them I don't think they serve a purpose and uh I guess yeah at best you could say I'm pessimistic about them <laughs> <laughs> um when was the last time you watched an award show oh dang uh I don't even watch them live that much anymore just cause like I don't care enough about them. Uh, I, th- I feel like I watched last year's like MTV Awards just like <laughs> just because it was on, and I was like, ah, why not? Like, what's what's a couple hours? Um, also, it's just for, like background noise. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a fan of them. And yeah, I don't watch them live anymore just because I could just look it up, you know? Oh. Yeah, I talked about this, like I said, on the Pop Princess episode, you guys. I only watched, uh, the only awards parts I watch is Beyonce and Kanye West. And that's it. Like, I don't even watch any more of those. Any of, I just watch the highlights. So then I act like I know what I'm talking about when it's mentioned the next day. Yeah. <laughs> don't invite me to, like your bets like people do bets on like who's gonna win yeah. it's like a fantasy league for them yeah yeah and like people take bets and all this stuff it's just weird it's like here here's how you win if they're white and they were in a very shitty movie that you've never heard of but somehow people think it's changing the course of history that's how you know they won me a lot about award shows is like I don't know like I'll come off as really jaded and, uh, whenever I talk about this but because people feel like or like people think that the only reason I don't like him is because the person that I want to win doesn't win right but <laughs> I just I think that like in retrospect especially the Oscars they're really guilty of this uh, looking back you gotta like you really like taking into account like how many missed opportunities there were and like in retrospect um you really notice like what like what when they when the academy made the wrong move you know when they voted on the wrong movie uh like 1994 is a huge example of this uh when Forrest Gump won the Oscar for best picture and it was it was 
undoubtedly a good movie, like unquestionably a good movie. But when you look at its two main competitors that year, Pulp Fiction and The Shawshank Redemption, and you really start to question which one of those three really had the longest lasting effect on cinema, Forrest Gump kind of came and went and is now more of like an internet meme more than anything. Like you <laughs> see jokes about it all the time and like, run, Forrest, run. Like that's a joke now, you know, but I don't think it did a lot for, for cinema in itself. And I don't think the thing about like Forrest Gump is that it falls into this category of the, uh, these movies that start coming out later in the year now uh, called Oscar bait, which are just clear, blatant, um, opportunities for studios to get their name out there by producing uh, like a pandering movie, a movie that will straight up pander to the to the members of the Academy uh, to get them recognized for an Oscar. Uh, because that looks good on studios and it looks good on, on the people involved when there's an Oscar attached to the movie that they were in. But looking back, I think it's safe to say that in 1994, the wrong movie won the Oscar that year. Um, and I, like everyone knows that I'm pretty much like the biggest Tarantino fanboy or whatever, but like even I think Shawshank Redemption had was a more qualified movie. I think looking back, most people can't agree on most uh, critic review sites. Uh, Shawshank Redemption holds a higher score than... Forrest Gump, but it's still, but it's still in the record book that Forrest Gump was the best movie of 1994. Even though most people you ask will say otherwise, you know. Okay, to discuss like how Forrest Gump, how shitty Forrest Gump is, is like I went to a public high school. I hated it, but from my sophomore year till my senior year, every history freaking class I took, they played Forrest Gump. Right. Like, you know why they played Forrest Gump? Because it showed the history timeline of things. That is not a good movie! That doesn't make it a good movie if it has, like... Like, that's the Oscars for you. If it's boring, has, like, really nothing uh, to it, like, vibrancy and character and charisma and it's badass, like Pulp Fiction... Like Shawshank Redemption, it's not going to win an award. And then, like that was another one in 2008. If you ask most people, like I honestly can't even remember, or I guess it would be the 2009 Oscars, uh, who won the Oscar for Best Picture that year. But Dark Knight should have won it because it's the only memorable movie from that year, you know. Yeah, but Heath Ledger won an award, so that counts yeah. for something. Yeah, that counts for something, but that movie was amazing. I can't even remember another movie from that year. Dude, I saw it five times at the movie theater. That's a lot. It should have won an award. I saw it five times. That's, like, enough to win an award. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, looking back, like, I don't even, Dark Knight wasn't even nominated, but, like, looking back, you really see, like, what movie was just pandering to the, to the Academy and what movies really live beyond that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think another thing is influence. Uh, I think that that really needs to be taken in mind, and it's hard really to know what the influence of a movie is 
when it's only been six months since it came out, you know? Oh, definitely. But I think if you, and you know, you can't wait five years to give out awards, but obviously, like, if you took into account how many milestones uh, movies like Pulp Fiction or The Dark Knight reached uh, and what they did to films afterwards, then I think, if like, if you were to take that in mind, I think that would make for a stronger argument for why movies like that should have been nominated or should have won, you know? Well, what do you think, mile- what milestones did Dark Knight reach? Uh, well, it, was, uh, it broke ground because it was like the first time, really, um, I think Iron Man came out the same year and it did something similar. Uh, it's the first time that we really saw superhero movies being taken seriously by serious directors. You know, uh, before we had like Joel Schumacher making Batman movies and you had like, and I not, not to... Not to discredit Sam Raimi for every, for anything, but when he did Spider-Man, like, it's Spider-Man, but it's also a Sam Raimi movie, and, you know, that's, it's it's not taken seriously, because it's not supposed to be, but, you know, you had, like, superhero movies that were just superhero movies, and I think it wasn't until Dark Knight that you really realized the potential, you know, that, that you have with superhero movies, like the giant pile of gold you're sitting on when you actually put intelligence behind a superhero movie. And it was also the first um, movie that was shot in with IMAX cameras, uh, which a lot of directors are switching over to now. Um, So it was kind of the pioneer for a new technology because a lot uh, before dark Knight came out, a lot more people, a lot more directors were abandoning uh, film for digital filmmaking instead of actual film. Uh, and this is kind of, uh, using IMAX film was kind of an alternative because you still get the great look and it's a step above film and it's certainly a step above digital filmmaking, you know? Oh yeah. And now let's talk about, uh, your hero in your favorite film. You have the poster hung up on your wall, Pulp Fiction. How did they make a breakthrough in film? Well, this was the first time, and it was, it kind of started with Reservoir Dogs and everything that, like, Kevin Smith and uh, Robert Rodriguez were doing in the early 90s, but this was the first time that studios realized, like, this is a youth movie made by a youth movement, you know? Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't some older director already in Hollywood. It wasn't some guy who already had those connections it was and it was the first time the light was shined on independent filmmaking as a serious art form you know uh and like you can ask any independent filmmaker after 1994 what's your inspiration you, you know you could ask uh, like Soderbergh or Smith and all these guys what's your inspiration or um uh Richard Linklater you can ask them like so like what happened that's like because the thing about Pulp Fiction, it kind of bridged the gap between independent film and mainstream film. And you can ask like any independent filmmaker after that, like, what was your inspiration for making that leap too? And they'll they'll say Pulp Fiction. That's how important that was. It's and so it, true. It's so true. Yeah, exactly. And it also revolutionized, especially in the 90s. I think Pulp Fiction came out at the perfect time too, because this was a time 
where everything you had seen in films had been played out already, you know? You had already seen everything at least once. This was the first time that Pulp Fiction, or this is the first time that movies did something unique in making the bad guys the good guys and not telling the story in chronological order uh, and choosing very retroactive yet unique, like never seen before, uh, like camera angles, camera shots and all this stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, and more than anything, like it was important that it definitely broke down any barriers between like the independent film movement or uh, in the 90s and straight up mainstream films, you know? Oh yeah, and it's, and to connect the two, I remember when Dark Knight came out with the Joker, the Heath Ledger one, uh, they were comparing it to Pulp Fiction of, like, how good the film was. Yeah. Which is a telling sign that it wasn't going to win an award, because good films don't win awards. Yeah. Only lame ones. Yeah, only lame ones, not the badass ones that we talk... Like, okay, to think about it, everything we talked about on this podcast has never won an award, except Star Wars. Star Wars is the only respected... Like, universally, everybody's like, oh yeah, Star Wars is the shit. Like, everything else we talk about on the podcast, like, universally, everybody's like, I mean, I see it, but I don't see it. So, that... That's what sets the tone. We talk about the underdogs here on the podcast. <laughs> Transitioning into that, though, how do you feel about Mad Max winning so many awards? Because think about it. Mad Max won almost... They took home all the awards last year. Yeah, it took home all the technical awards. Yeah, all of the technical awards. And then the movies we just talked about took in... A few awards, but not the deserved role, deserved uh, awards as it should. Do you feel like uh, Mad Max could have been a, is a breakthrough for uh, movies like Mad Max? I mean, it's action packed, has yeah, some blood in it. It's different. It is. I think it's calling attention to the fact that you don't need a four-hour-long, slow-paced movie starring Tom Hanks or Will Smith to win an award. You know? Yeah. I think it proved. I think the technical awards are actually more important in that they actually respect and honor the fact that there's actual craftsmanship put into films, you know? Mm-hmm. Because you could put a pretty face on the screen and have it be like a Will Smith or, or Tom Hanks or a Brad Pitt and then like instant Oscar buzz. But it takes a lot of craft to maybe not make the most compelling story, but to have like all the pieces put together to make like a beautiful looking and beautiful sounding film like Mad Max and still win awards. And I think that broke down barriers because as well, because it shows that this like weird niche product, this like definitely mainstream, but not mainstream movie can still come in and take home almost everything in the technical category, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, uh, if Suicide Squad wins any awards this year, we know it's fucking rigged. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What movie do you want to see actually win awards this year? I don't know who's nominated. I don't even know if we're there. Uh, So, but what, is there any movies that you think should be winning awards? 
Well, for, I think, cinematography and direction, uh, a, a couple weeks ago, I saw a movie called Arrival. Uh-huh. That, that was really good. I think for, I think it should, oh, and sound design. I think, like, all the technical awards, how last year they went to Mad Max, this year they should all go to Arrival because that is, like, the best-looking and sounding film I've seen, like, all year. Um, one, another one that I think should win probably for best actor is uh, a movie I saw like two weeks ago called Moonlight. Ooh, uh, shit. Everybody's been talking about Moonlight. I know they're going to win an award. They're killing it. Yeah, uh, I think, I absolutely think that Moonlight should win for best actor. Um, and then uh, a while ago, I saw actually two movies. I saw The Nice Guys. I saw it over the summer. And I think if one wins for best screenplay, I haven't seen like every movie this year uh, that people have been talking about, but Nice Guys has one of like the quippiest, it's kind of like, like if Tarantino, like co-wrote like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like that's <laughs> exactly what like, Nice Guys sounds like. Um, so I think that should win uh, for best screenplay. And um if there was, like, one for best score, and I saw this movie a while ago over the summer called A Swiss Army Man with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, that movie's hilarious, and it has, like, one of the best, or best original song, I think, is is an award, uh, and I think that should win. And those are just, like, my personal favorites, but they're also ones that I think are, are really good, you know? Oh, yeah. And I've seen none of those movies, uh, for those of you wondering... That's why I asked uh, Angel, because I've seen none of them. (laughs) I don't get out much, but I do listen to a lot of music, right? which is uh, what I'm going to transition into right now. Here are the in-between ones that I'm not going to mention, but they do exist. Country Music Awards exist. Because no country artist is going to win an award in like a mainstream award show now. <laughs> um, and the Country Music Awards were pissed that Beyonce was there. And I was like excited to see Beyonce there. And that's how I knew Beyonce is fucking taking over the game is because she was at the Country Music yeah. Awards and she made the Dixie Chicks look bad. <laughs> And I was like, damn, Beyonce, why are you going to do that? And so that's um, that's where we're at. <laughs> the BET Awards exist. And I think that's necessary. And I'm very happy that they exist. Because especially actors, minority actors, don't get enough attention. And so I'm happy they exist. Last year with... Uh... I think it's probably like it's probably going to happen again this year, uh, where it's all white actors and actresses and directors getting nominated. I think a lot of that has to do with opportunity, you know. Yeah. I don't think like the Oscars are inherently racist, but I think that like there hasn't been enough opportunity for women and people of color in Hollywood itself, you know. Yeah. But. Because, like, if you look at the movies that get nominated for Oscars, a lot of them star, actually most of them star white actors and white actresses and are directed by white men. And I think 
if the movie's good and it deserves, well, I mean, who's to say what deserves an Oscar? But like, if the movie's good, then I don't have a problem with that. But I th- I do have a problem with the fact that why, like, why are all the Oscar bait movies starring white actors and white actresses and directed by white people? That's that's the thing, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the BET Awards are ex- so necessary and so amazing because it really puts to light uh, everything we're missing in mainstream media because in mainstream media, you're not going to see many advertised uh, movies that star minorities unless it's fucking Tyler Perry, which is <laughs> ridiculous. And and you know, like, when Moonlight comes out, like, when Moonlight is up for the award shows, you'll you'll see the blatant, uh, unless it was a white person doing a film about being a closeted gay man, they might not win, and they're probably not going to win an award. And not because it's not a good film, it's because of, well, there's a white person that did a really shitty four-hour film that deserves an award. That's why. Yeah. But then the BET Awards are going to sweep in and break that. They're going to explain that this was a breakthrough film and here's why. So I think yeah. the BET, award, BET Awards makes us, they give us, they make, they like educate us. They educate us yeah. on all things that are necessary, unlike these other mainstream uh, award shows. And I love the BET Award shows and I just needed to do a few minutes talking about it because um, it was very, uh, We'll see how far we've come once Moonlight comes, or once uh, Moonlight gets thrown into the award. Uh, uh, we'll see how far we've come. <laughs> Let's see if we're still gonna make the same mistake we did last year and not nominating films that should be nominated. <laughs> and uh, to talk about Moonlight, for those of you who don't know what it is, and you saw the film, it is about a a man who is African American who is a uh, gay, and he's coming to terms with being gay and being African-American. And um, for those of you who don't know the struggle, he, they're going to explain the struggle of being a minority and being gay. That about sums up the movie, right? You saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen all the interviews about the movie, but I have not seen it. But it looks really good, and I hope it wins awards, because that's like a real like great film that is probably going to break some milestones in... Uh, start a conversation that should uh should have happened a long time ago yeah so um don't be racist this time award shows and bet awards thank you for existing and making us all woke as fuck (laughs) now before we get into the grammys which is huge right now uh let's talk about the other shitty ones mtv music awards and mtv movie awards yeah i don't i don't know about those They haven't been good since the 90s and the aughts, to be honest. And their viewership, every time it comes out, the viewership is always like, yeah, um, nobody really watched it. I'm like, no shit, it's not, it's boring. No, it's gonna happen. The, the most popular movie always wins because it's f- fan voted. You know, Kanye is gonna get up and say some, like, outrageous shit, and then... Yeah, people are going to talk about that. Someone's going to, like, botch their musical performance, and then that's going to be a joke for, like, a year. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, it's really new, and it's the thing about it is so predictable. Like, oh, you mean the movie that 
that made the most money also won the award. That's really <laughs> weird. So we could do a board show in the middle of the year too. Okay. <laughs> I, like the only thing that I kind of appreciate about it is that it is a, a youth voices being heard. It is like voices of younger people because like older people don't watch MTV, so they're not voting on it. But like it is like younger like millennials who are the ones getting out there and they won't vote for president, but they'll, they'll vote for like, who wins best actress. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. At the same time, it's like from like the, just from like their record, maybe young people have kind of dumb opinions sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, to talk about the MDV music awards, we have to talk about what happened last year when they put Beyonce before Britney Spears and Beyonce embarrassed Britney Spears. And it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> because, okay, think about it. There's Britney Spears, who is iconic. Everybody wants to have a lasting career like Britney. She started off as a kid, and look at her now. She's still very successful, and she isn't a complete laughing stock. Like, no one ever says sees Britney Spears and like, oh, how did she end up having a lasting career? It's not even that good. Like, she's still very good, and she's still... Um, always trending for doing outrageous shit. Like, if you've seen the Slumber Party music video, this is my third time mentioning it in three episodes in a row. Um, it was very sexualized and very pornographic. That made her trending. She still knows how to get a trend, just like Beyonce. Right. So that, like, her and Beyonce have that in common. They know how to have great uh, PR. They know how to really sell something. But... When you put them in the same show, a few minutes apart from each other, MTV movie, Music Awards fucked up. Big and huge. <laughs> like, outrageously big. Because it was Britney Spears' show. Because it was, like, her highlight of winning the Michael Jackson Award for, like, decade-long artists. And Beyonce was right before her doing her thing. And she kicked ass. And that's all they talked about. Was how good she was, and also Rihanna. It was also Rihanna's show too, honoring Rihanna for something. Rihanna was shit compared to Beyonce and and Britney Spears. So the point being is that MTV and their award shows don't know how to utilize anymore. Yeah, millennials still watch it, but they just don't hit it on the head anymore. They don't have like good hosts anymore like they used to. So that's, it's like, find a good host and not fucking Jimmy Fallon or Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Why does Neil Patrick Harris always have to host something? I don't know, he was popular for like a month or so. And yeah. Well, like, Neil Patrick Harris has like that old school, like, vibe. Like, he can do a variety show and be stylish and cool, but like, in the same breath, it's like, Oh my god, like, why? Like, like he just doesn't have that for me. Like, he doesn't have, like, that cool vibe to him. It's just, like, kind of like, oh, I get it, you're old school. You're staying true to, like, old school Hollywood. Yeah. But, uh, I feel like uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler always kill it when they host. Have you seen Tina Fey and Amy Poehler host uh, the award shows before? Uh, but I've heard that. They're, I mean, they're like best friends in real life, so obviously they got chemistry and stuff, but no, I haven't seen them. 
Angel and I, you know, Angel and I made it when people were like, hey, Angel Sage, let's you host an award show. Like, if we're able to outbeat Neil Patrick Harris and Tina Fey, we've made it. <laughs> I mean, that's the next step for podcasters. You know that, right? Yeah. Is like hosting events. So um, anybody interested in having Angel and I host something, um, I don't know. I don't feel like we there's like hardly any good hosts anymore for award shows, which is also why I don't watch them. Yeah, that's another thing because like the host is the guy you gotta or girl uh, that you gotta like see all night, you know. And if they're not like on it, then it's not gonna take long before you're like, all right, like whatever happens from here on out, I really don't care, you know. Yeah. James Franco and Seth MacFarlane shouldn't host anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like Seth MacFarlane sucks. I'm sorry, he just is not. I don't like him at all. Like yeah, like. I don't know. I was talking about it with like a friend of mine the other day, but like in the early nineties, I mean in the late nineties and early two thousands, like it was like Beavis and Butthead, South Park, and like Family Guy, and they were like killing it, you know? Yeah. That was like in the early nineties because before then, comedy was really safe, you know. Uh huh. after that, when when it kind of broke down that barrier, uh, and like comedy kind of like early early to mid-2000s comedy is, like, super, like, especially American comedy is, like, super raunchy and, like, super, like, in-your-face and loud, you know? But, yeah. Uh, the thing about Seth MacFarlane is, like, he he doesn't know... He's, I, don't, I just don't think he's funny anymore, you know? Like, I think the first, like, three seasons of Family Guy are really the only funny ones. But, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just out of touch. Oh, yeah. Like, he obviously doesn't have a Tumblr... Because his shit he still writes is, like, insane. I'm like, this is not funny. It's racist and offensive. And, like, South Park, I never really liked it because I always felt wrong for watching it because it was so, like, inappropriate. Yeah. But South Park also broke the boundaries for Canadians being known as kind and polite. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, South Park proved, like, no, Canadians still do racist shit, too. <laughs> <laughs> But I also talked about this, too, is um, with a friend off off the mic. I was saying, like, the only good adult cartoon is The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers. Those are the only two cartoons worth watching if you're an adult person. Yeah. How do you feel about The Simpsons? Do you like The Simpsons? Uh, yeah, like, I like a lot of The Simpsons up until, like, The Simpsons movie. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm all right with everything else, but it's not as good, you know? I believe The Simpsons won an MTV Movie Award, too. <laughs> I think they won an MTV Movie Award, dude. <laughs> Just let that sink in. Like, that's how freaking crazy movie awards are. Like, The Simpsons won an award. But Pulp Fiction did not win an award. <laughs> like, he's, like, so pissed. If You can't, you can't see him because this is a podcast. But he's pissed at the fact that The Simpsons can win recognition, but Pulp Fiction cannot. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it bums me out because it's like, okay, what really deserved it? But at the same time, it's like, well, who's even to say? Because, like, everything's so opinionated, especially, like, with award shows. That, and a lot of stuff is overlooked with award shows. Like, you don't really take into account, like, the creativity or, like, or just how much fun people were having when they were making a movie. And, you know, you, you can't take that into account when you have to judge it on who made the best thing, you know? Oh, yeah. 
and it's totally opinionated. That's another thing. And like, I just hate that so many times that an actor or actress or director's career is defined by how, by how many statues or like, you know, awards they have, you know, and it shouldn't be. If you were just like going off, like, like directing, like, I don't know. It's just like, it's weird that whenever like a movie gets an Oscar, like the, the director kind of does too, just cause it's like, Oh, it's easier just to give it to both, you know? <laughs> but yeah, that's things you don't really take into account like the artistry behind it anymore. You know? Oh yeah. Like you never, like, like I was saying with moonlight, like if they're ever not, if they get nominated and they lose, they're never going to take into account how groundbreaking that film was. Yeah. Or, they're never going to take into account like how necessary that film was for today, for this year in gay culture and um, the Black Lives Matter movement or the LGBTQ issues. Like, I don't think they could put that into uh, into account at all. Yeah. Maybe they do, but I highly doubt they will. Yeah. But we'll see where it goes. But they're also going back into... Um, Taking things into account. So a lot of people are pissed off that um, David Bowie's uh, record, Black Star, is not nominated for a Grammy. But Beyonce's Lemonade, her song she did with Jack White, Don't Hurt Yourself, is nominated. So <laughs> so David Bowie is, in no, is not in the category. Beyonce is. And people are pissed. They are mad as hell. Yeah. Now, I listened to David Bowie's Black Star album. In fact, I took a whole day to listen to it. And it does. It absolutely deserves more recognition than it received. Not because David Bowie died, but because it's a good album. And I think that's what so many people aren't recognizing. And what so many people don't recognize in award shows, and you can attest to this, is like, as soon as somebody dies... That's when everybody jumps on the bandwagon of like, oh, they were such a breakthrough artist, or they were so good. They deserve more credit than what they are receiving. But to think about it, yeah. a lot of people didn't really give David Bowie the credit it deserved when he was alive, when Black Star came out, you know? And, and that's the thing, like, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like Heath Ledger, like, people, went, like, he won an Oscar and... Granted, he deserved it, he deserved it for his portrayal of the Joker, but it's like, what else was he really in? You know, like there was Brokeback Mountain and The Patriot and Monsters Ball, but really, no one thought like, oh, Heath Ledger's groundbreaking in Monsters Ball or anything. You know, it's like, oh, he like. The year that he died, everyone's like his number one fan, you know? Like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. Yeah, everybody made fun of him for doing Brokeback Mountain, and then suddenly they're like, oh, Heath Ledger was such a good actor. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, you're, like that's so disrespectful. But yeah, I don't understand because, look, so best rock performance. He's on, David Bowie's up for best rock performance. He's up for best rock song. But he's just not up for best rock album. That's it. Oh, and he's up for alternative music, which makes total sense. So I don't... So, guys, I don't understand why you're so pissed about this. He's up for alternative. He is alternative. He's the... 
Him and Lou Reed are the alternative gods, if you think about it. Yeah. They are the groundbreakers of alternative music. And I think it's a generational thing, too. Yeah. For example, like, David Bowie was awesome every... Because he was around for, like... He's been making music since, like, the late 60s and all this shit. So, like, he's he's been awesome, like, in every era that he's in. Um, but at some point, you also kind of got to look past that. It's like, what, like... Not to be disrespectful or anything, because I still think he's great, but it's like, well, when do you give, like, the new up-and-comer a chance to kind of, like, you know, break that, break that glass ceiling and really prove themselves, too? Like, the spotlight can't be, and, like, it's eventually going to happen to all, all the artists that we have today. It's like, the spotlight can't be on them all the time, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, David Bowie's just had a lot of time already. <laughs> Like, I don't know. <laughs> My she just made a farting noise, sorry. <laughs> I'm so mature. No, but, like, their boys just had a lot of time, like, already as that guy, you know? And so many artists now take inspiration for, from him that it's like, at some point, not even to put it in, like, that term, it's just, like, the only way that I can think of it, but, like, eventually it's like, well, when's the new David Bowie going to come along? Not saying anyone could replace him or anything, but when's that next guy gonna, or girl going to come along, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm not being disrespectful. Angel and I are not in no way trying to be disrespectful to David Bowie because I love David Bowie. Because David, yeah. t- David Bowie is the type of artist that everyone wants to be because every, every era, every decade, he changed. He changed with the era in a very successful way, and he did it in a good way. He never changed to make more records. He changed because he knew it's time to change. It's time to evolve. Yeah. But he, yeah, Angel exactly nailed it on the head. Is like, yeah, David Bowie is exactly successful, but David Bowie is not going to be pr- Prince and be irreplaceable. Yeah. It, there's a lot of people that are going to be like Bowie. So we just have to, like, not be so pissed off that he was up. He's up for alternative an uh, alternative music award. He's not up for rock award, but that's because he is alternative. The thing about it, too, is that, like, Bowie already won. Like, <laughs> even when he was still alive, he already had his place in, in like, the League of, of Rock and Roll Gods, you know? Like, he already exactly. had his place there, like, with Elton Lennon and, like, Lemmy, like, he already has, is on that pedestal. He's already a legend. Even if he was alive, I'm sure he would appreciate, like, being nominated and rewarded and all this stuff. But it's like, he doesn't need it. He's already everyone's inspiration. He's already beloved. He's already a legend, you know? Yeah. He doesn't, I don't even think, I think, if anything, a guy like Bowie would encourage other artists to to join him in in that realm, you know? Exactly. So yeah, and I mean it's I, I can I, I can kind of understand like, oh your favorite artist and get nominated, but it's like He's nominated for like three awards, you guys. Chill. You're just mad because Beyonce's breaking all the grounds. <laughs> yeah, one everything. Like him, he's like responsible for like 
80s pop and like 90s alternative like he's already done everything you know and he's already won he already has his place amongst the legends he doesn't need to accomplish anything else he doesn't need another award yeah he has mad respect you guys it's all right enough with the hate he's won he won already I haven't seen too many people cover David Bowie except Michael C. Hall because he was in that play for, uh, I think either Bowie wrote it or is about Bowie, the Lazarus. The... Yeah, I think Lady Gaga did a David Bowie tribute. And they they annihilated her for that. I remember that. <laughs> and the thing, like, like, no matter what she did, no one, no one was going to be on board with it just because, like, it's Bowie and they're already like, oh, no, nothing, you know? Yeah. Like, that's why we're to like i'm like who cares like she had fun bowie would have encouraged it it's all good so it's whatever uh bowie's son endorsed it he was fine with it he thought it was good he thought it was respectful and tasteful so like with my thing it's like like it's fine and like i know there's been talks about like a lot of like alternative and metal groups like doing tributes to like motorhead and all this stuff and it's like it's fine because like they're they're just paying tribute they're just paying respect it's not a big deal. Obviously, they're not going to be as good as the original. Nothing ever is when you try to imitate or copy it. So it's it's fine. You know, I don't really have a huge problem with it. And it's like, and that's the thing. Like all these guys already have their place. You know, they're already legends. So it's not hurting their reputation at all. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and it's like I said, and I totally forgot that Gaga did a tribute to Bowie. I totally slipped my mind. I don't know how I forgot about that. But it's like I said, it's just like they choose people that fit the image of like they emulate that artist. Well, here's the thing is like Gaga, like I said, Gaga kind of in a way took from David Bowie the not the style. You made a face, but it's like the style that Bowie had, like always being looking different, even though St. Vincent copied uh, Ziggy Stardust in the movements, in the uniqueness. But in the no one can like completely change every decade and and do it well like gaga does new things every album but it's never like as good as like all of bowie's albums so uh ruthless on these people that do cover like covers like you said it's not the same thing you just have to remember the families behind these dead uh musicians are encouraging this yeah so keep that in mind respect and it's like like i know duncan jones uh david bowie's son like he was he, he loved it like he's totally cool with it because like you know it's it's an artist that took so much inspiration from his dad like giving it her all and paying tribute to like a legend and you know like that's gonna be awesome you know yeah like, knowing that your your dad had that much influence over someone you know that they're essentially not necessarily imitating their whole career on it but like you can definitely see the parallels you can definitely see the influence and you're like wow that's how much power my dad had over that person you know like that's awesome but that's how big he was so i mean i think no one like people obviously aren't going to do something totally like disgusting and distasteful you know uh, so I, I don't know i think it's fine i think people need to stop worrying about it too because it's like obviously no one's gonna be as good as the original, you know. No one's gonna, no one's gonna top it. Like no one, no one can do a cover. I mean, it's like it's rare, but like no one's, especially when 
it's these legends we're talking about. No one's going to outdo that, you know? Oh, yeah. So I think it's like, what are your expectations? Like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about now that we're the reason I'm t- we're talking about dead celebrities on here, other than what's happening with Bowie. Um, in general, like dead celebrities and award shows play a big part of like what is going to happen within those like six hours of the award shows, because there's going to be so many freaking covers. There's going to be a lot of covers, but you know, that's not going to be a cover. You know, who's not, they're going to cover Prince. They're going to cover Bowie and Leonard Cohen and probably Motorhead too. They're going to cover Motorhead. They're going to cover Lemmy. They're not going to cover Stone Temple Pilots, Scott Whelan. And for those of you who don't know this, a lot of people don't know this, is I loved Scott Whelan. I saw him in concert at, as STP, and it was be- it was amazing. It was like, breath- I don't know what it was. His energy was just breathtaking. And no one's going to honor him. No one is going to honor him in the award shows. I just, and I'm pissed. And they have that fucking guy from Lincoln Park in that band now, and it's not even that good. It's not the same. And everybody thinks it's mad disrespectful that he was even in there when Scott Whelan was alive. So that's... Everybody, that's going to be the endless debate. Is like, why was Scott, why did they still have Chester in there when Scott Whelan was alive? And also, let's mention that they're not even going to honor Scott Whelan in the Grammys or in any award show whatsoever as well. So that's what we should be mad about for all the STP fans out there, the Scott Whelan fans like me. I'm kind of mad about that, but in a way I'm kind of like, Happy that they're not going to ruin something I love so much as they already did with adding Chester into to STP when Scott Whelan was alive. They should have just stopped altogether. But no one can be as cool as Nirvana. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when Kurt Cobain had his issues, they never were like, hey, let's bring in another person to keep doing this tour. That's how thirsty they are. Yeah. Just to mention, I just want to go on this rant. I just like, like... It was so disrespectful what STP did. Like, Nirvana, that's how, like, close they were. They're like, yeah, Kurt Cobain has his problems. We're just going to end the tour. Yeah. We're not going to replace them with Eddie Vedder because they sound exactly the same. Or, in a sense, kind of sound the same. Yeah. So that was mad disrespectful, and I need to get at that off my chest. I, You'll see it through the YouTube comments as well, that everybody <laughs> thinks it's so disrespectful what they did to Scott. But, yeah. yeah. And no one can be as respectful as Nirvana because they're not brothers like like Nirvana was. And also, shout out to Nirvana as well. Like, a lot of people, I would say, don't like openly cover Kurt Cobain. And I respect that. And I respect you guys who aren't like openly covering Nirvana. And at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, shout out to you guys for um, having women do the songs. And it was freaking amazing. You are the true feminists of the 90s along with Kathleen Hanna, who was your sisters. So, shout out to Nirvana. I am... Nirvana, to me, is like what uh, Quentin Tarantino is to you. Yeah. <laughs> I told you guys, I like music more than I like movies. So that is like my Quentin Tarantino, is Nirvana. And I just... in Scott Whelan, I lo- like R.I.P. Rest in Peace, Scott Whelan, and I'm... In a way, I'm happy that a lot of people aren't covering because they will ruin. They'll be. That would be my Bowie situation. <laughs> it would have been my Bowie problem. Like that would be my problem, and it's already a problem with me with what they did. You money hungry fools, ruin the bands. But anyways, 
We have to conclude this. This has gone on a long time because we have a lot of emotions. So to conclude, I would like to say that um, don't feed into the hype of the award shows, you guys. Don't be those guys that constantly comment about what a freaking joke it is and how your, your artist should have got nominated or this or that. You know, in fact, if your artist wasn't nominated or they lost, that just means they're good, as it's been proven in 94 and in 08 and many, many, many times. And like the BET Awards and the minority actors and actresses this uh, in 2016 put to light. If they're good, they're not going to win. It, if they're minorities, they're not going to win. So just expect that and say, um, you know what, that means it was a good film. <laughs> it's a total scam, so that's my advice on that. Don't get all, like, worked up about it. So we have new episodes every Wednesday. Tune in, and you can follow me on That Sage Schaefer Instagram and Snapchat. Just get sneak previews and um, updates on on what I talked about. And there's, like, always a cute, like, logo of Sage Advice Podcast and, like, a meme so you could laugh and, like, get hyped up about it. And you could binge listen at the sageadvicepodcast.lifeson.com and there's a link in my Instagram bio as well. Or you could go to the Facebook page, Sage Schaefer, and just click on my little logo and get instant play. Bye, you guys. Talk to you Wednesday.